This week on Maroon and Bold, we discuss Central Michigan football's game against Ball State. It's on the road, and there are huge Mid-American Conference implications. We also take a look at men's basketball and touch into women's basketball as the non-conference schedule heats up. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of Maroon and Bold. I'm your host, Evan Petzl, along with me, co-host Austin Chastain. Austin, how you been these days? What's what's going on? What's new? What's shaking? I had a really, really bad pressure headache yesterday, but we got over it. We're back. We're grinding. Back on the grind. Um, couldn't ask for much more, though. How are you doing? It's it's that kind of year. I mean, where the, the weather starts to change and you're going to get a lot of snow and you're going to get a lot of frigid temperatures. And it's one of those things where it's just like early in um, early in November to you know mid-November where you kind of get those weird spurts of you know inclement weather and it just kind of drills you out of nowhere and then that's where you know you have the sicknesses and you have the headaches and you have all the all the changes and then at the same time you know you guys got to remember this is right before you know Thanksgiving so professors they want to get everything out of the way before then and they want to have everything everything taken care of so really this week and next week are both going to be going to be pretty tough in terms of getting you know exams done and getting homework finished up and you know getting presentations ready to go for the week after thanksgiving or doing them before so it's a lot of that 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 really does kind of come in and play into the mix but sports is also there as well and that's kind of what we talk about here as you guys know um in central michigan they have a, a big game coming up in the in the football category at least on the road um it's against ball state at schumann stadium in muncie indiana it's a 3 30 kick on saturday november 16th and the mid-american conference you know standings are are really coming to play in this one when you look at it with western michigan and central michigan both at four and two in the conference and the mac west and in ball state behind at three and two that's because ball state you know has has one less conference game at this point so they'll end up playing you know three to finish out the year where central michigan and, and western are only gonna end up playing two but let's take a look at it and, and where you're at with this and you also have to remember i mean there's toledo still in there at, at three and two as well but Central Michigan, I mean, really the best case scenario here is you beat Ball State and then at some point Western Michigan loses. Western Michigan plays Ohio this week. That's a tough Ohio team with a veteran quarterback in there, Nathan O'Rourke. So there's a chance they could lose that game. But nonetheless, you got to go out and you got to win. And if you want to have any shot at going to Ford Field and playing in the in the MAC title game to represent the MAC West division, you have to win on Saturday. No questions asked. If you lose on Saturday, I would say a shot at, at you know making the Mac West, at winning the Mac West title is is basically all all gone, and this is your shot. What's gonna What's gonna happen here in this game? I mean, what are we looking at in terms of Ball State, and what are some of the things that they bring to the table? Well, I, I'll be honest, I haven't done a whole ton of research on Ball State, but what I'm what I'm looking at is a, I'd be, I would think a pretty good offense. Um, you know, I think the biggest part is how Central Michigan's gonna perform. I know that's not what you asked me about, but um, you know how how this Central Michigan team handles this, I guess, pressure of look, we have a chance to win this this MAC West title. Um, at the same time, so does Ball State, and I think that's that's the that's the big thing that you have to keep an eye out for is how each team handles the pressure of. The opportunity to to represent the the Mac West at Ford Field, like you were saying, 
So, you know, we can we can talk about the players and the stats and stuff like that, but that's the one key area of the game that I'm I'm most interested to to see is how both teams handle the pressure. Yeah, looking at Central Michigan specifically, and then also Ball State, um, looking at kind of where they're at with with their team. Scoring offense is second in the MAC. Um, you know, scoring defense is seventh in the MAC. Um, so maybe a, a little bit of leeway there, where you might be able to get away with, might be able to get away with a thing or two if you're the Chippewas and put a couple extra points on the board. But still, that that second best scoring offense in the MAC is going to be tough for Central Michigan. But then you look at Central Michigan on defense, and they have the third best defense in the conference. So that'll be a, a very interesting matchup, I think. You know, CMU on a, from an offensive against a de- against a defensive from that standpoint. If you're looking at offense versus defense, I think CMU has you know, a, a greater advantage on the offensive side of the ball. I think from a defensive perspective, when you're looking at defense in comparison to Ball State's offense, that's where it's going to be. That's where the real battle, I think, is really going to going to come out, and that's where we're going to see it. You, you're looking at it, too, down the list, and, and you just kind of keep marching your way down. And, I mean, first downs on, on offense, Central's two, Ball State's three. And you can kind of keep going with this, you know, r- really all the way. I mean, passing offense, Central Michigan is, is second. Ball State is fifth. I mean, they're right there. Total offense in the MAC. Central's three. Ball State's fourth. They're so they're so close in terms of where they're at from an offensive standpoint that I think that's where you really have to take a step back and realize that it's it's going to be about what defense can step up and play. You know, it's it's going to be who can shut down which offense. And I think that's going to be the the telltale of of who wins this game. And taking a peek down the list at you know who ball state has played this year they they lost indiana by 10 to open the season in a game where they were they were in it and indiana being a high-powered um offense in the big 10 not as good from a defensive standpoint but you know they can put up points at, at times it's kind of what they built their program around they lost to north carolina state by 11 another close game that they played and then looking at just in terms of who they played you know, in the Mid-American Conference specifically, um, was was also it's kind of been a little bit of up and down, but it's almost seems like it's been that way, really for everybody in the in the conference. But they they beat Northern Illinois and they beat Eastern and then beat Toledo, so strung together a bunch of wins in a row, and then lost by thirteen to uh, to Ohio, and then lost by four to Western Michigan. So, you know, this this Ball State team's on a little bit of a downfall here. They're going to be trying to to get back to their you know, winning ways, as as we would say, but Central's maybe not the team that you want to try to get back on track against, just because of what they have from an offensive and a defensive standpoint. Right. No, I mean, given how much CMU has improved, even from the beginning of this season, with that win over Albany, you know, you you look at this team and you see how much, like I said, uh, that it's improved, and you're totally right. You know, trying to right the ship. Is you're you're gonna struggle to do that against Central Michigan because of that defensive firepower that it brings. Because I mean, like you said, it's it's what the third in the MAC in terms of scoring defense, and what's maybe maybe not the greatest in terms of oh second second right sorry I was looking at the wrong number second in terms of rushing defense and passing defense. So, you know, I don't know. I just think it's going to be tough for, for Ball State, and it's going to be 
it's it, yeah, it's really tough for Ball State to be able to right the ship against Central Michigan. I think, and it's going to be tough for any team to to have to do that, especially this late in the year. Listen, I really like Ball State though, and I like their quarterback Drew Plitt. I like what he brings to the table. A guy that's completed sixty four point eight percent of his passes, over two thousand yards already on the season, seventeen touchdowns, six interceptions. He's taking care of the ball. You know, for for what you'd expect out of a, a Mid American Conference quarterback, right? He's a guy that's not going to turn it over too often. Um, he'll have bursts of, of these drives where he's able to really move the ball on the field at a consistent rate. And once he gets going, he's really tough to stop from an offensive standpoint. And with a guy like that, you got to be careful. You have to be ready for him, and you have to understand that he's going to come out. He's going to come out slinging. They're going to come out throwing the ball around, but they do a really good job of providing a, a different punch as well with Caleb Huntley and, Wal and Walter Fletcher at the running back positions. Walter Fletcher only has carried the ball 85 times, and, and Huntley's over 100. He's at 170. But still, two, two feature backs that can get the job done. Huntley, 843 yards and six touchdowns, and then Fletcher with 459 yards and, and four touchdowns as well. They use Justin Hall, a wide receiver, on the jet sweep, and, and he's been productive this year, over 150 yards um, in, in those sweep situations with two touchdowns on the ground, and they're also not afraid to obviously use him you know, in the air too. He leads the team with 48 receptions for 513 yards and three touchdowns. Leading receiver from a touchdown standpoint is Riley Miller, um, he's got he's got five through the air, but listen, there's guys that can make plays in this offense when you're looking at it from a receiver standpoint. You have athletic playmakers, you know, like I already mentioned, Justin Hall and, and Riley Miller, but Antoine Davis and Johannes Tyler, both of those players can can go up and make plays, and then you add in there two solid backs that can move the football, and then a quarterback like Drew Plitt. Like I understand why the offense is rated so high, and I and I think. It'll be an offensive shootout. And like I said, it's going to come down to who can disrupt the quarterback and you know who can really make stops on defense. That's one of the things that kind of frustrates me or, or worries me, I, I'd rather say, about Central Michigan is just the fact that, you know, looking at their, you know, they're really their their first down defense in general, um, seventh in the MAC, not really where they would want to be, I would say. And um, so you, you kind of see it in that perspective too, where you know, you're giving up a lot on first downs, which is normally, you know, your marquee passing plays. So I would say the biggest thing that I think that Central Michigan has to do is they have to develop a presence early against Plitt and that offense. If you can't do that and you're allowing them to move the ball early and often, I mean, they do have a chance to tire you out. And if they can, and they, they probably will. I, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if they had some big plays over the top, just looking at who Central has at corner and, and you know, the youth that's there. And not a discredit to the development of those guys, but it just they aren't really where they need to be yet in terms of where they're going to be in, you know, a year or two. So from that perspective, I wouldn't be surprised. They just aired it out. Obviously CMU's run, run defense is, you know, highly praised. It's one of the better run defenses um, in the conference. You know, it's up there in the top 50 in the nation. So I would say when you're looking at it from that perspective, I, I don't think ball state's going to try to pound it on the ground on you. I think they're going to try to, you know, use the passing game first to try to open up the run game, a risky, a risky move, but it you know it can pay off for a, a team with a good quarterback like Drew Plitt. Right, uh, totally agreed. I mean, and you know if you don't get that, and I like that you said that that's risky because if you don't get that that passing game established, because that's kind of what the it's kind of what it looks like Ball State's known for is it, is this passing game turning it turning well, if it. You into don't, a if you don't game. get it established, you're toast because right. by the time you realize it hasn't been established, you're almost going to have to keep relying on it in order to try to put points on the board as long as central's offense can score that is right exactly and and you know and i i think we've seen it a number of times that the central's offense 
can put up points on the board. Now, with it being a road game, I mean, we'll we'll just have to wait and see there because, I mean, it, it's honestly, I feel like it's been two completely different teams on the road and at home this season. So I'm, I'm, I am interested to see that part of it as well. I mean, that's kind of one of those small things that, you know, not many people talk about, but um, seeing how this team can go play on the road and go have find some explosive plays away from Kelly Short Stadium. And I think if they, if, if they can, they're going to set themselves up well for victory. Listen, this is the, the thing, too. Central Michigan, they were limited to 73 rushing yards in the loss to Buffalo that they had. Um, a tough loss, obviously, before their bounce back against Northern Illinois. But the team is averaging 279 yards per game in victories on the ground. So when, when they win games, they average 279 yards on the ground. That's impressive. But in losses, 56.5 yards on the ground. I mean, that that... That is a number that is going to absolutely change the course of the game, and it's it's the run game for Central Michigan, and that's how they started off. I mean, you don't. That's the thing about Central too is is it's not like Quentin Dormady has been effective to the point where he's able to open everything up through his arm. It's been based solely off Jonathan Ward and Kobe Lewis, a powerful one-two punch. Both guys have have ran the ball for over a hundred and have run the ball over one hundred and twenty times with Ward at one twenty-seven and Kobe Lewis at one thirty-nine. Jonathan Ward, he's he's gone for 600, 800, excuse me, 863 yards. Kobe Lewis right behind him at 788. Ten touchdowns for Ward, nine for Lewis. They're the backfield. They're they're the guys that you rely on and that you trust on to really open up the rest of the game. And when they're on, the whole team is on, and we've seen that. But they haven't been on in road games very often, except for the the one against Bowling Green. And when you see those guys succeed, you really see the game change for Quentin Dormany, a guy who's completed 60. 65.3% of his passes, 1,310 yards, 11 touchdowns, four interceptions. He struggled to take care of the ball, but he didn't against Northern Illinois. That was my biggest takeaway from that game was his ability to hold on to the ball and, and not be lackluster with it. I thought that was a, a good sign to see. And, and then from a wide receiver standpoint, we talked about the playmakers that Ball State has, but Central Michigan has a couple of playmakers as well, specifically Khalil Pimpleton and Ja'Cory Sullivan, two guys from Muskegon High School who are in there now. Sullivan every week has taken a step up every single week and I think it's been really impressive to see he's got three touchdowns Pimpleton has six right behind him Tyrone Scott has three and I think we've seen more Tony Poljan I mean what did you see in that Northern Illinois game from Poljan that impressed you because he had a couple big plays and he's really hard to seem to kind of come into his own in the passing game yeah uh, he he did have a couple of big plays and I mean he only had what I think two catches but they were both huge mm-hmm. um, I think of I, I can't remember the actual yardages but he had two I would say game-changing plays because he was able to score a touchdown on one of them and and set up another, um, so it yeah Tony Poljan we we said in the beginning of the season that he was going to be utilized quite a bit in the passing game and he he really wasn't to start the year. Then as the season kind of went along, like he started to like you said become more involved with the passing game, and that's exactly what CMU was going to need because I mean he's he's a six seven dude he's a big dude. And he he's able to go up and make catches, um, whenever whenever you know you need him to, and I think we started to see that, and I think uh, Jim McElwain's starting to see that a little bit too, and I think they might I, they might utilize him even more and more and more in these last two games. Yeah, no, I think so as well. You got to keep feeding the 
feeding the big man because he's been productive for you thus far, um, specifically down the stretch, and he's going to be a key part both in the, in, the, in the catching game and in the blocking game. I mean, he's done a great job of creating runways for Ward and Lewis, and he gives you that, that look when you're trying to run in that 12 personnel and you have, you know, obviously you're going to have uh, Pulgin in the game, but then, you know, you also have Bernard Raymond for that, um, you know, one running back, two tight end look, and listen, it works. And what the Chippewas have going on right now is is pretty darn impressive. So I would say that's one of the things you have to take a good look at. Um, another thing, too, is is Ryan Tice. We'll talk about him really quick, Austin. I know you, you did a story on him. 11 of 19 on field goals this year. He's missed a couple as of late, kind of struggled. Um, two of six from 50-plus, two of five from 40 to 49 yards, three of four from 20 to 29. He's made all of his in between uh, 30 and 39. But what's going on? I think what, what you saw last week, three misses in the third quarter going towards the north end of, of the stadium. I think it was just the wind. I'll be completely honest with you, watching those kicks – um, it honestly looked like the, it, I, I thought a couple of them were good. And then the refs came out and waving their hands saying, no good. I was, I'll, I'll be honest. I was a little bit befuddled. Um, cause I, like I said, I thought, I thought they were good, but, um, the wind, it was a pretty windy day, cold day. Um, you know, McElwain said, it's kind of one of those execution things. It's to use a golf analogy. Uh, it's, it's just about finding the fairway, um, hitting the, hitting the driver off the tee, and, uh, you know, McElwain said, you know, he can hit duck hooks with the best of them, but he can also hit some straight shots. So it's just about confidence and being able to execute each and every swing. Well, he's pretty big for him down the stretch, though, right? I it, mean, yeah. you can't really blame the, the wind and the weather when you're playing in Michigan and you have been playing in Michigan all your life. You know, he's he's got to step up. Right. No, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, he's a senior and he played at Michigan. He's came out here last year. And, and kicked well. I think he only missed three kicks last year. Um, you know, there. You're and you're totally right. You know, if if you want to be MAC champions, every every facet of the game has to be, I guess, a well-oiled machine. It all has to be working right for CMU. And not to say Tice is a scrub. That's not that, that's not at all what we're saying, but. He does need to he you know he does need to figure out how to play the wind, especially in those in these last two games when it's going to be windy when it's going to be cold. Figuring out figuring out just how to almost will the ball through the goalposts. That's what he needs. That's what he needs to do in these final weeks. For sure, and I think that when it comes down to it, you need a guy that's consistent in the kicking game. Some of these games down the stretch, I mean, you're looking at Ball State and Toledo, even Ball State, that game, that game could come down to, you know, some some late game situations where you're going to need a big kick or two. And if you don't have somebody that's reliable, that's going to get the job done, it could cause for some problems. But but we'll have to wait and see on that one. Um, so I guess kind of taking a look at your thoughts, Austin, on the defense for Central Michigan. You have Alonzo McCoy, Gage Kresge, Daquan Jamison, and Troy Brown, all with two interceptions. Sean Edesanya, Montre Braswell, and Michael Oliver all have one. But for those guys with two picks, McCoy, Kresge, Jamison, and Brown, who gets three first? Well, that's a good question. I'm going to go with Kresge. I, 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 I don't know, man. I, I, you, gave, you gave me the look, but I, I, think, uh, I think he's been 
getting involved a little bit more and more as the season's gone on, and I I just think that he's going to step in, make a big play. Um, and it, it's going to be – I think it's going to be one of those big um, momentum-turning interceptions too, big turnover, you know, maybe middle of the late second quarter against Ball State. That That's how in-depth I'm going with this prediction. All right. Troy Brown. That's my pick. I like him. He's emerged. Lead the team in tackles. He's a, a threat at linebacker. He's done a great job both being able to, to jump into the box and also sag off a little bit and try to get those picks. So I've been impressed with him, and I, I think he's going to get the job done. Um, I guess kind of after that you know, quick defensive question, any thoughts on this game against Ball State? Who do you got? What, what's the reasoning you got them? I mean, all, all that kind of stuff. Just in looking at it, I mean, it's going to be one of those those classic Midwest games, you know, just try to punch each other in the mouth and see who gets up first and gets up for the longest. But I think, and I think, I really do think Central Michigan's going to be able to, to come back up and stay up for for longer. Um, it's, like I said, it's going to be a really, really close game. Um, we're, we're talking whoever's got the ball last is going to win the game um, with some kind of field goal or a late touchdown, two-point conversion, some, what have you. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I've I got Central Michigan in this one. Uh, we're going to go 34-32. All right. I got Ball State by two touchdowns. I think Drew Plitt is a little too good for the Chippewa. I think their run game is is pretty good as well. They do a great job of balancing the offense. Their wide receivers are are serious threats. They're athletic. Um, and then from a defensive standpoint, Antonio Phillips at the cornerback position is solid. And Jacob White at linebacker, both of those guys are going to be tough for for CMU to handle, I think, you know, Jacob White does a really good job of stopping the run and getting up in the gaps and, and filling those holes to not allow guys to run through. And then Phillips, he's a, he's a guy in the backfield that can get the job done. He's kind of like a, a ball hawk in a way and, and does a really good job of seeking out opportunities to, to get interceptions, especially at a cornerback position. He does play pretty aggressive. Um, so I, I like I like Ball State. And like I said, I got him by two touchdowns, um, but we'll see what happens on Saturday again, 3.30, um, down there at Ball State. We'll have reporters there. You can follow us on cm-life.com for updates on that one. Um, and just keep an eye out for Christian Boer and Andrew Loveland because they'll be down there. Make sure to show them some love. But men's basketball real quick, just a quick little segment on some hoops. Um, Central Michigan started the season with a 102-62 win over Michigan-Dearborn. And then a 134-78 victory over Mississippi Valley State. 2-0 to start the season. Um, opponents aren't anything special at all. Sam Houston State comes to town on Saturday, November 16th. Austin and I will be there for that one before we go to the Sam Life 100-year anniversary. We have that to deal with, which is why we're not going to be able to go to Ball State. Indifferent about that, but it'll be a great time. Um, and we'll get to cover some hoops. So that'll be fun. But anyway, 2 p.m. for that tip-off. Austin, what have you seen from the men's basketball team so far? What do you like? Um, and what more do you want to see? Obviously, you want to see the team kind of gel together more. And that's that's. I think that's going to happen naturally. It'll happen as the season goes along. But you better do it quickly. You you want to you want to have that team chemistry pretty much set in stone um, by the time Mid American Conference play hits January fourth. But the the thing that I'm I'm looking at you know and following along with the the game against Mississippi Valley State, 
This was a team that ju- had just lost by the biggest margin in Division One history by, I think, 91 or 96 points to Utah. And then they came in, came into McGurk Arena, and they actually hung, hung with CMU for at least a little bit. Again, it was, again, I think it was one of those deals that CMU never really felt out of control of the game. Um, you know, once, once, once it got up by double digits, then, then the guys were able to kind of pack it on and hit the three and pull away in the game. But, you know, the you know, uh, slow starts, um, I think, have been not great for CMU. Obviously, slow starts are never great for anybody, but, um, you know, it, it put it slow starts against Michigan Dearborn and Mississippi Valley State both kind of left you with a couple of head scratchers right at first. And then and then CMU was able to hit the three and pull away, which is something that's going to have to do. Um, but it shouldn't, I think. Yeah, I mean, looking at this team, what they have from an offensive standpoint, I think they've uh, I think they've shown growth. Um, early on, I, I think they've shown some some ability to gel after they didn't, you know, really do that too much in the first game. But I don't know, man. I mean, it really is too soon to tell on this team. I mean, you, you really don't know what you're getting yourself into mm-hmm. here here with with CMU. I mean, we'll see after Minnesota. We'll see. I think DePaul is going to be one of the big games. Going to tell us a lot about where they're at in comparison to a, a team that might be a little bit more more like the Mid American Conference in in DePaul. We'll see how that goes. I mean, Youngstown State is a, another team that I mean even though they're at a lower level they're they're not bad um I, I think Valparaiso is is the same way I, I mean I really like Valparaiso I think they're a good a good club and then Texas in there as well Robert Morris Purdue and then you start off you know Mac play we'll see how it ends I mean right now with these cupcakes to start Sam Houston State coming up and then Siena Heights I mean those are games that you really you, you can't look too far into no and you I mean you're right and conversely you can't really look too much in the Minnesota game because and maybe Minnesota's not the the hot shot team that it, it may it may be sometimes you know sometimes some seasons, but it's still a Big Ten team, and I, it still has that toughness about them. But I I agree with you. I think that the Paul game is going to be a very eye opening game for CMU, saying, look, this is a team that you know we we compete with. We 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 can compete with, like you said, in terms of similarities with with Mid American Conference teams. So looking at looking at that DePaul game, man, I and you said it best. You always say it best. You know, I you don't know you don't have any idea what this team is yet. I don't know if it really has an identity yet, but it's still it's still working. I think it's a work in progress. I think that's why we're done talking about them. Nice. Kidding, but no, yeah. Well, let's move on to women's basketball because I mean, no, really though. I mean, you, you can only talk so much about a, a team that you don't know anything about, and you can't really. And not that we don't know anything about them, but just saying you don't really know what they're going to be. How, how can we project what they might be when when there's really no there's no telling what they could be? They could be really good. They could they could really struggle. Yeah, and it, it kind of comes down to the guard play of Javon Broadway Jr. and and Devontae Lane. I think if those two guys were able to to connect and run the offense with with really without any issues, there there might not be any issues. They might be pretty good. If not, it could be a, a shaky season. But I wanted to jump over to women's basketball really quick. Um, they got a 6 p.m. game on Thursday against Louisville. 
um, a huge game against the number nine team in the country, and then they end up going um, and, and staying in Kentucky to play Western Kentucky, which is in, in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Um, but that's a November 17th game on Sunday at 2 p.m. So some tough games start the season, and then they come back home and they play Dayton. And so they don't they don't really get a, get much time to rest up. It's kind of hitting you with a back-to-back-to-back, three really difficult games, but for those first two on the road, um, and obviously the one against Louisville, so we'll see how, how they do there. And just so, you know, the ship-wise, they did lose their first game of the season, 111-105. to That was against Green Bay, a, a top mid-major team. The game against Louisville, Austin, you think they stand a chance in this one or no? Early, I think it'll be close, but just the, the youth that this team has, I, I see this one getting to be a, a runaway for Louisville. I'm not going to say it's going to be ugly, um, but I, I think it's probably going to be a 15, 20-point win for, for the Cardinals. You know, just watching that Green Bay game, um, you know, M- Michaela Kelly, Maddie Waters both fouled out. Uh, it's a double overtime victory for the Phoenix. Molly Davis, I think, had little, maybe a little bit of a freshman moment. She missed all eight of her attempts from three-point three point territory and just kind of struggled. She had a couple of traveling calls go against her. And, you know, if, and I, I, you know obviously those things will improve as, as the year goes on. But this, this game against Louisville, you know, has the number nine associated with, with the team name. So I think it's going to be... A little bit rough for the Chippewas. Can you call Presley Hudson or Raina Frost and have them come back? I, you know, if, if so, I mean, I think Central might have a chance. But right, looking at, at who Louisville has, I mean, listen, Dana Evans, she puts up fifteen point five per game, and, and Elizabeth Bogelon, she does a great job of shooting the three ball. She's lethal from downtown, averages thirteen a game. Um, also, you know, does a really good job of getting rebounds. She averages five point five, and and then from you know the assists category of it jasmine jones is the one to to look at there she averages six assists per game um and and has done a great job so far in that category of just being able to move the ball and 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 dish it out Um, so she's your your main playmaker in terms of trying to 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 distribute the basketball and make things happen on the court Um, and then from a a pure rebounding standpoint elizabeth dixon who started both games this year she's averaging 10 rebounds a game um, and, and then also seven points per game. So I think you got a lot of size there for Louisville, a lot of size Central Michigan isn't going to be, be able to keep up with. I'm going to take the Cardinals, and I'm going to take them. I'm going to take them pretty big. I mean, I, I don't think it's going to be a, a close game whatsoever. I, I I would say they probably would be able to to win by a solid 25, 30 points, um, you know, maybe, maybe even 35. I, I wouldn't go any further than that, though, because I do think Central still is a team that's um, – that's got a lot of potential and is going to be really, really good this season. It's going to take some time, but like I said, I'll, I'll take Louisville by, by 25 or 30. And, um, I'd be semi sure handed in that, uh, you know, in, in that idea there, but we'll see how it all works out. Anyway, that game is at 6 PM on November 14th. Again, football that's on Saturday, 3:30 PM down at ball state. We'll have people there for that one again for women's basketball, men's basketball, football, cm-life.com check out our stuff and keep reading our content we'll be with you guys again next week on the podcast but again a thank you for reading listening and always staying tuned